Whether you're in the market to buy or sell a home, you're probably wondering if this is a good time to sell and what the market will hold for you. For June, let's do our monthly heat check of the market status right now. We have this and much more on the Cleveland Real Estate Investor Podcast. Stay tuned. Investing in real estate can be full of pitfalls. Don't end up as another horror story on Mike Riley's Cleveland Real Estate Investor Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Ferrante with Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team, serving buyers and sellers all over the state of Ohio. We specialize in helping investors buy and sell real estate. So before you make another move, go to 21mike.com to schedule an appointment. The 21 Mike team, your one-stop shop for buying and selling. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Riley. After a couple weeks off, Memorial Day, catching up on some dry weather here after all the rain. And with me is Mr. Heat Check himself, Mike Ferrante. Mike, how are you doing? What is up, Mike? I'm great. Good to be here. Well, we had a, you know, it's funny, uh, a couple of days ago, we had a uh, one of our uh, a client from Houston who's interested in renting one of our houses for three, four month period, uh, son's going through a transplant Mm. and uh, really nice people. And right now folks, it's uh, 68 degrees, low humidity, a little breeze hasn't rained in about 10 days. It's just been sunny and beautiful every day here. And I told them, I said, this is what it's like in Cleveland all the time. (laughs) you know i mean really all that that's all uh, fake news you know that uh you know that sleet and snow and cold and uh you know january and february and march no this is what it's like it's it's san diego weather right well i'll tell you early summer spring and fall are some beautiful times here in cleveland and if you love the snow you know, we got that too. So I don't know. I think the Cleveland weather gets a bad rap, but yeah, certainly it's certainly in July and August, it can get a little muggy here, but uh, it's like that anywhere, I think in the summer. Yeah. Well, we got that big mansion, Mike, and we're getting, we're getting into the summer and we haven't put central air in. I'm, uh, you know, I'm be interested to see how it handles those hot days because it's a big brick house and so but anyways that's another story i know everybody's chomping at the bit to listen to all the stats on how the real estate market is in cleveland so mike let's get to the heat check for june all right well i got some extra numbers today for all those data junkies out there and you know there's a couple of things here that i think will surprise you mike and a couple of things that won't uh, but, you know, the big news, everyone's talking about it pretty much nationwide. We're still in this inventory shortage across the board, and that's continuing. Um, in spring and summer, inventory tends to rise, and we did see a nice little jump in number of listings here in Northeast Ohio. And when I'm doing these numbers, by the way, Mike, I use all of Cuyahoga County because that's a pretty good snapshot of everything that happens here in Northeast Ohio. 2000 over 2000 listings now which uh you know we did hover around 2000 listings last year but we're up slightly year over year but like we always talk about a quote normal market we're used to 4 to 6000 listings so we're still at about 50% give or take what we really need to be at in order to have enough inventory to meet the demand 
Now, the other big number that everyone's talking about is, oh, it's a downturn in the market, right? So they're talking <laughs> about number of sales, number of sales. That's that's what they're talking about when they say the market is down. So we only had 1,300 sales last month. Uh, and of course, everyone's comparing it to last year and two years ago where we had over 1,500 sales. So we're down over 200 sales from the last two years in May. And so that's what they're calling a downturn. The issue is that that's sort of a normal number for us in May. And you and like we've talked about, you almost have to throw out the last two years because those were crazy, crazy stats. So pretty much what you expected there. Right. Right, Mike. Yep. Yep. I'm letting, um, you, I'm letting you run with this, man. Go. Yeah. Well, right. Right. No, I got I got a ton of numbers. Uh uh, but I, I'm kind of just curious. I was curious if that was indeed what you were expecting. It's pretty much what we predicted. So no real surprises there, although it is encouraging to see listings back up over that 2000 mark. Now, of course, everyone wants to know what's happening with prices, because a right. lot of people predicted prices would drop because of the interest rate hikes. And, you know, the other issue with this inventory shortage with these fewer sales you know, we were wondering if if sellers might start getting frustrated and maybe have to start dropping their prices. Well, here's what's happening. The prices are staying pretty steady. I still think we're going to peak over 200,000 median uh, this summer. And everyone listening who's not from Ohio, if you're from one of those markets where you're like 200,000, you could buy a house for that. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you could buy a pretty, a pretty nice house, right, Mike? I mean, in Cleveland Heights, yeah, that's, yeah. that's about the median, I bet. Right. Yeah. In so a in a nice neighborhood too. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. I mean, and, and certainly there's stuff that sells in the 50 to a hundred range and, you know, your entry level housing hundred to 200. And then we have our aff more affluent areas like Shaker Heights and University Heights, Westlake, Bay Village, where homes are selling 300 to a million and, and up. But we're using medians here to kind of get a better read instead of using averages. Now, the really interesting number, the one that I didn't expect is market time. And market time is a great barometer for what's happening in the market. It's telling us how fast homes are selling. Right. And last month it was 18 days and we were like, wow, it dropped from 29 to 18. That's amazing. And I thought no way it could drop another big leap uh, like it did the uh, month before. But Mike, we're down under two weeks to to sell a house. Thirteen wow. days. Wow, that's that's, and we're we're so used to the Cleveland market for decades being what thirty days, thirty to sixty. You know, if it's yeah. if the if the market was quote hot in the summer, you're thirty days. If it's over thirty days, you start wondering what's going on. And in the, in the winter, it might take you 60 days. So just to give you an example, during that crazy markets, so go go back to 2020, 31 days to sell a house in May. We're down to 13. Now, it, yeah, last year it was a little more brisk. We were at nine years or nine days last year, but man, just 13 days and it's, and it's only May. I think that number is going to keep going down and we might see single digits again this year, Mike, you know, which is un, unheard of in our market. Especially for a median. Sure, your really hot properties might sell really quick, but I was not expecting that for the month of May, 13 well, days to sell it, a house. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, everybody go to Zillow and go to Edge Hill Road in Cleveland Heights. We just listed a house for or for sale. This is our uh, customer on the contracting side. We got it all fixed up and painted on the outside. It's a big, big, big rambling mansion. 
was built the turn of the century. <laughs> I'm sorry, turn of the century, meaning, you know, like 1910 10 or something or 19. Right. And uh, just put it on the market on Friday. The sign went out and Zillow just exploded. You want to tell the folks about that? Yeah. So so this is one of these houses that really should take long sell because it's rather unique. It's large. It's uh, way on the high end of the price spectrum at 670. 75,000 which is which is a nothing nothing burger in toronto (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) or la county new york city yeah i mean that's like you could buy a one-room apartment in those markets but though this is a special house it's not gonna typically wouldn't sell fast nine thousand square feet nine the thing's got a ballroom for heaven's sake you know you could have a, a concert in this uh, house and that's what they did they they had a area in the main stairwell where the the orchestra could set up you know your quartet could set up and then people could sit all around the stairwell and watch it so really special house in in three and a half days over 1200 views on zillow and that's just one website and i've got 80 people saved that house which means they flagged it to keep an eye on it so that, that's just unheard of numbers especially for a really unique house like that Right. Well, be interested uh, to see where we are. Uh, we might do uh, an emergency podcast in a week if it sells, and just see how and just see what what happened. It's a very unusual house. What's the address on Edge Hill, Mike? Uh, twenty seven twenty eight Edge Hill. For anybody who wants to look that up, I mean, it's it's worth a minute or two out of your day just to look at how spectacular this this home is. Right, and its uh, uh, zip code is four four one zero six. So that's Cleveland Heights. And uh, real special house. Take a look at it. how the uh, uh, did you Photoshop the driveway? Uh, we just ended up using, you know, we we photographed around it, so we didn't okay. need to Photoshop. There's so we had our we took like 120 pictures of this house, Mike. There, there's so much to see. We we had our tough time uh, picking which ones to use. That's how cool the pictures were. That's good. Yeah. Well, folks, listen. Uh, we got to do the driveway, but that's. Everything got backed up because all the heavy rain we had, you know, in uh, in uh, April and early May. So we'll do that uh, as part of the deal. Okay, um, keep going on the number. Yep. So two more stats to share with you guys, uh, kind of showing more of the same, same sort of trend. Uh, we've got uh, the percentage of list price to sale price. So that's kind of where we talk about, well, if it's listed for 200,000, did it sell for 180, 190, what percentage of list price? And in our market, it's not typical to be at or near or or over even 100% of list price. But guess what? Last month, 100%, which matched April, uh, we were in the summer months from May to August over 100, at or over 100%. But normal for our market, Mike, like if you go back to 18, 19, we're 94 to 95% of list price. And the other thing that we look at is months of inventory. In other words, if not a single new house hit the market, how many months of inventory would we have before we ran out of houses? And again, just for comparison's sake, a, a normal market, four months of inventory, you know, three to five is kind of normal. We're at 1.5 months of inventory. So that's just kind of reflective of what's going on here. Not enough houses. Demand is still strong, even though rates are in the sixes and occasionally popping 7%. Uh, but it hasn't hasn't slowed us down. Do you think more people are putting down more money 
and just financing less. Let's say they sold their house for a profit and they want to 1031 it into uh you know into their next house. Um, and they're putting a hundred thousand down versus maybe twenty thousand, you know, five years ago. So they're they're basically financing less. What it, I'm just throwing that out. What's yeah. Well, well, no. I mean, what was the phrase everyone was saying when when rates were in the twos and threes and even in the fours? Everyone would say, "Oh, it's like free money," you know, because yeah. it's three percent. Come on, it's it's seriously like like free money. So I think the converse was true people were saying well i might as well finance as much as i can while we have this free money but but certainly i think you have people looking at putting more money down for two reasons not just because the money is more expensive but also because these folks who were shopping for a home and let's just say they were looking at three hundred fifty thousand dollar homes because that's what they could afford when the rates were in the threes now with the rates in the sixes they can't afford that same house anymore so the only way they can get that same house unless you know unless they want to lower their sights and and not get as nice a house or in the same neighborhood they wanted the only way they could qualify is to put more cash down so i do think more people are doing it for those two reasons hey let's stop here we got to pay some bills 30 seconds and we'll be back If you've been listening to this podcast, then you understand or should understand the pitfalls of investing in Cleveland real estate. Say you're looking for an investment property to rent, and these are the things that could happen and often do. You overpay for a house, and it's in the ghetto. Then you find that it's a money pit with endless surprise repairs. Your hapless property manager, who may be the brother-in-law of the realtor, gets a tenant who after three months stops paying the rent. Then the toilet explodes and you have nobody to repair it because, guess what? The property manager is not answering the phone. Yep, that's the ugly side of the Cleveland real estate market. But we have a solution. Buy one of our properties. It's been inspected. It's been vetted. It's in a rock-solid part of town. It comes with a gold star tenant paying top dollar rent, and we manage it. Call us at 216-371-8160 if you're interested. Right. Well, I think, like I said in an earlier podcast, people are sitting on their hands, like my son and his wife, where, hey, they've got a under 3% mortgage. You know, really, their mortgage is, they, they've got a house that's valued at 275 and their mortgage is 1200 wow. they, put, they put money down when they bought it. Um, and then they got a low. So why, you know, why, why trade up? To uh maybe a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house in Shaker and taxes are more and they're gonna have to double their uh, mortgage rate. So yeah, and, and so there's two people, two groups of people who are interested in what we just talked about. Number one is the buyers because there's a lot of them nodding their heads, going, "Yep, that's where I'm at. I'm gonna stay for a while." And then the other group are the real estate agents and brokers who are saying, yep, I'm hearing that from my buyers. That's the objection. That's one of the reasons there isn't enough inventory because people are just sitting pat. So what what that has done, Mike, is it takes your homeowners and makes them really think twice 
before making that move, making that upgrade. So the pain has to be big enough for them to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and move out of this house with a three and a half percent rate to go buy something with a six and a half percent rate. Maybe they just had their third or fourth kid, or maybe they have a job transfer um, or, you know, maybe it's just a lifestyle change, but those lifestyle choices like where, Oh, I'd really like to have a bigger yard with a pool. Some of those folks are saying, well, I don't want it that bad where I want to sacrifice having this 3.5% mortgage. Right. Now, what about new construction? Oh, thoughts on that? Yeah, new construction still booming. I, I think we mentioned this that one time we were talking, but in a normal market, new construction accounts for about 10% of the total homes on the market. Because there's so few resales on the market, it's so so limited. Right now, the builders are building as furiously as they can, and they account for fully a third of the homes on the market, which is just ridiculously unheard of. Right. And what's the average cost on a new new construction? Uh, you know, I don't have that exact number, but I can tell you most of the stuff I'm seeing, like the cheap, cheap stuff starting in the 300s. And that's your bare bone. You know, nobody buys a house at base price. So you're looking probably high threes would be your entry level new construction all the way on up to fours, fives. And then all your custom stuff that's going to be sevens and up, you know, including million plus which okay. we do have some of that stuff here in Cleveland. Everything's not cheap. Right. Now, um, what about, like, we're thinking of, we're building our house on that vacant lot on the mansion. And uh, it's going to have, you know, it's going to be built for us, my wife and I, who are closing in on 70. So, but we're in good health, knock on wood. Um, and, uh, but I'm looking at, uh, you know, it's going to be, First floor living, right? Ranch style houses. Are they popular um, or just the conventional, you know, three bedrooms, four bedroom, two and a half bath house? So, the, of course, the ranch style house is the most expensive floor plan to build because when you, when you build out, you have more footings, more concrete, more everything. Right. So. Right. When you build up, it's cheaper. You know, think about it. You've got a 2,800 square foot colonial. Well, you've got 1,400 on the first floor, 1,400 on the second floor, but you still only have 1,400 square foot of concrete slab or basement or whatever you have. So the, the ranches still are not being built very much. And there's a shortage of ranches within the shortage of overall inventory. Now, what I'm what I'm seeing more of because it's so expensive to build ranches and you need more land and all those kind of challenges, I'm seeing a lot of first floor master. So where you have a the primary bedroom with ensuite bath on the first floor, right? You know they're they're working it into the first floor, uh, but then you have the rest of the bedrooms and bathrooms upstairs. Uh, there is one development right near me where they've, uh, it was either Pulte or Ryan, I forget which one now, but they built almost an entire neighborhood of ranches, which, gosh, talk about selling out quickly, because like I said, within the shortage, there's even a bigger shortage of ranches. Right. What about, I, I think we talked about this on an earlier podcast, but again, on the new construction thread, where you, you build, yeah, you're going to build a ranch, but you're building a bigger basement um, with walkouts, you know? Um, so you're basically doing 1400 first floor, 1400 in the basement where mm -hmm. it's finished. Um, and you think about climate change and severe, 
you know, where you're building a house that's, you know, basement's like a fortress. Yeah, that's one of those things that we have here in the Cleveland market and some others. But, you know, we talk about basements and other markets raise their eyebrows at us because they don't really have basements, you know, either because uh, the water level, you know, like down in Florida, you don't see basements because, exactly. because of the water table or in areas like California, they're less prevalent, I would imagine, due to seismic activity and other factors. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, a great way to add square footage. And uh, it's the same principle. You're not expanding outward. You're actually adding uh, to the footage by going down. Um, interesting little side note here, Mike. Uh, years ago, I was in London for um, a an, an investor show. I think I know where you're going on this. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So there are there are two companies in London because you can't build up in in London. There are restrictions as, as to the airspace and your your build. Buildings can only be so tall. They don't want you to impede the views of other people. So there are companies who go into homes and instead of building up, they build down. They literally yeah. come into the home, excavate downward and give people more living space in the form of a basement and crazy expensive. Oh, but if you want more living space, that's what you do. You, you yeah. pay the price. Yeah, that's exactly where I thought you were going because there was a story in the New York Times. I think it was maybe even the Sunday Sunday section, but Folks, you're looking at the Edge Hill property. I got one more thing for you to look at. Just Google uh, London basement ex expansions. I mean, we're talking three floors down. We're not talking one floor. We're talking, they are going down, down, down three levels. And it's incredible what, what's down there. Yeah, but it's I mean, like a whole additional house yeah, underground. Exactly. And, you know, I... I my thoughts are, hey, you got your workout room downstairs. You've got a guest bedroom downstairs. You've got a you know lounge area downstairs. Uh, maybe you even have a garage downstairs, right? You pull in. It's underground. Um, so if you're gonna, you got to excavate anyways, right? Um, why don't you uh, just while you while you got the backhoe there, uh, just build a bigger basement. Now you've got all that usable space down there. So I, I would love to see video of them doing that because you mentioned a backhoe. How the heck do you get it down there? You know, I, I gotta, oh, they, I gotta they, believe it's like, they're using it's like they're, it's like they're building, going a mine shaft or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's incredible, but definitely folks worth checking that out on uh, YouTube or uh, you know, uh, on some of these articles. But uh, okay, Mike, is there any more stats in your in your in your grab bag here? That's all I have for you today. You know, it's uh, it's more of the same, but even more accentuated than what I was expecting. That market time number just kind of blew me away. Uh, I guess the last thing I'll throw out for everybody are my predictions and nothing really earth shaking here. I, I do think we're going to keep seeing that median price rise. And I think we'll be well over 200,000 by midsummer and then come fall and winter, it'll, it'll dip again. And I bet we get around the, that 200,000 mark, maybe even under it again. Uh, I think your days to sell, I, I do think we're going to hit single digits. I bet it gets down to eight or nine days before summer is over, and then it'll kind of normalize. Uh, because the thing is, Mike, that inventory problem isn't going to solve itself soon. 
People are just not putting their homes on the market. I don't see the Fed lowering rates anytime soon. And new construction can only take up so much of the slack. Uh, your your active listings, uh, same kind of thing. I think we'll get into the 2000s and then that'll kind of taper off in the winter. And I think your sale numbers are about where they're going to be. It's going to be down about 15% from last year, which is not a, a market downturn. It's more of a normalization. So th those are my predictions for the upcoming year. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap up heat check. And that is, you know, they're talking about commercial real estate. And I think we talked about this earlier, but I want to touch on it again. Uh, all these vacant uh, storefronts, like across the street from me, our buildings on South Taylor and Blanche, that's the Riley Painting and Contracting Building. And right across the street from me, you've got these, would, there used to be all these little storefronts on the first floor of these apartment buildings. And of course, you know, no, they're all vacant. All these uh, retail and office spaces are getting vacant. What Have you heard anything on the word on the street about just converting them into living spaces? Well, I think that's what you're going to see. Uh, we actually, I was actually interviewed for an article, mostly residential, but the topic came up about what's going to happen with your retail and your commercial space, because retail is kind of withering, right? You've got the new Amazon model and even your commercial space, your office space. I think that while many people are being called back to the office, a lot of people aren't there full time. So you're working three days at home, two days at the office for whatever uh, but I think you're going to start seeing more of that. I haven't seen as much as I thought we would see, Mike. These places are sitting empty. And, you know, how about next month as a little teaser for everybody? I'll run some commercial numbers and just compare your uh, prices and market time for your retail and office type space and see what those look like. Because I bet what we're going to see is what we expect, that those properties are sitting on the market longer. And I bet the prices have uh, either not gone up or maybe even dipped a little bit. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, if I'm a first time buyer and I want to buy something, I don't want to rent. I'm getting shut out of the rental market. Maybe I buy some retail space. <laughs> OK, and I just convert it, you know, put a shower in, you know, it's already got, you know, obviously if it's retail, it had bathrooms and stuff. So it's got all that. It's got heat. It's got air conditioning, and it's almost like what happened back in the 80s when a lot of these, uh, in New York City, the, the beginning of the gentrification, where all these lofts right. came living spaces. Same thing here. Warehouse District in Cleveland, they took all those old empty warehouse buildings and told them, turned them into really cool condos and, and apartments. Now, of course, the challenge you face with that type of conversion is the change of use. So right. you got to get with the city, pull a new certificate of occupancy. It's going to require <laughs> drawings. They're not going to make it easy. Um, but I would anticipate as this vacancy in commercial and retail and office starts to become more and more painful, you're going to see cities starting to bend a little bit when it comes to the conversion of these spaces. Because what's the alternative? Tear them down? You know, there's some, look at Cleveland Heights. There's some beautiful retail commercial office spaces there. And that's an area that could use some rentals or or single family type condo stuff. Right. It would be an, an amazing co conversion. Mike, look at what they did with the church. You you probably know more about that conversion than than, than I do because you're right there. Oh, down a little little, little Italy. 
Yeah, um, took well, a school, they, well, they took a school and they converted it into uh, right. co-ops and condos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, on on random. You know, if you look up random uh, uh, condos in Little Italy, but how about the one the Euclid Heights, right there by Surrey, where um, there's okay. that church. Yeah. And yeah. they converted the church to condos, and then there was some extra land, so they built about fifteen or twenty additional condos right there. Well, let me let me let's flip it on its head, and we'll end on this note. But over the last twenty years. 30 years, all the downsizing, you know, people starting to, to work freelance, starting their own business, et cetera, et cetera. And people started working from home, right? Okay. Right. Well, now you, let's say out there, you buy a retail space, a little, you know, old auto parts store or whatever stuff, and you set up your office there on the front front end of it. You've got an office space, your CPA, your attorney, whatever, you're hanging your shingle there. Well, guess what you have behind your office? You have your living space, right? Yeah, we yeah. call them so, live live workspaces. That's not exactly uncommon. so you're still it's still technically an office, right? But somehow you've kind of snuck a uh, a bed, a kitchen, you know, a little dining area, a, a meeting space, which which uh, doubles as uh you know, as your living room. And it's a variation of, you know, people just didn't work at home, but all of a sudden that exploded. Well, now you're, you're, you're living in your workspace. So people are going to come around. It's going to change the mar market's going to, it's kind of like what happened with Uber and taxis. They tried to ban it. That stopped. They tried to ban Napster. Remember, you know, all that controversy about copying music Right. And they're ban, you know, they're trying to ban or control Airbnb. It's not happening. It's not, it's not happening. The the tide's moving. And I think the same thing's going to happen with commercial space. So anybody looking to invest in Cleveland and frustrated they can't get, you know, a duplex, think about buying retail and and looking at to develop that into some condo spaces. So that's my that's my final thoughts. Your final I love thoughts. It. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. You know, fi final thought here is uh, if you're if you're looking to buy, you have to be patient and wait for the deals. And if you're looking to sell, I wouldn't wait too long. I think this is going to be a great year for selling. And I think that uh, each year we're going to start to see the market shift a little more and a little more into a balanced market. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Mike, uh, we may have an emergency podcast. I got my fingers crossed on Edge Hill. Everybody go um, see that place. Um, that actually could be a great place to uh, develop into a fancy Airbnb type living for residents. But anyways, yeah. that's that's final, final thought. So <laughs> All right. go, go check that out and we'll catch up to you next week, Mike. Okay, take care. Okay, bye everybody. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Real Estate Investor Podcast with Mike Riley. Please add our show or follow us on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. Leave a like or comment on the video. All engagement is appreciated. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well for video content coming soon. For any Cleveland listeners or Cleveland Browns fans, you can check out our other podcast, Cleveland Browns Anonymous, for our weekly group therapy session. This is also on all the same platforms as the Cleveland Real Estate Investor.